Hi, it's Natasha. And Khalil. And we are the co-hosts of... Woke and Free! Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in to our 194th episode of Woke and Free. If you've been tuning in every week for Woke and Free Wednesday, you know that Woke and Free is all about being real and honest with each other and you. We talk about everything and anything important to us, you, the world, and nothing is off the table. This week, we're doing another Woken Free story time called 21 Questions About Death. Before we dive deep into the subject, a couple of things to cover. First, have you downloaded this episode on WokenFree.com through the Podbean app? If not, please do, because A, that's how you show your number one support, and B, that's how you're able to join the conversation. And Woken Free is nothing other than an amazing conversation each and every week, right? So make sure you do that. Now, of course, if you are incapable or not at, able to at the moment download the episode through the app, then what we suggest is that you pick a platform where you like to listen to the show and make sure that you are subscribed and followed. So for instance, definitely subscribe to us on iTunes and TuneIn, on Stitcher, on Google Play. We love your support on YouTube, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora. We're everywhere, guys. So make sure you check us out. Go to WokenFree.com, go to the Listen tab, and then you'll see all the different places that we're at. Now, of course, another thing you can do, which is also super nifty, on WokenFree.com, you can subscribe to the show via email very quickly and very easily. And what's great about that is every single week, you'll get email notifications of the new episodes. And guess what you can do with those? You can forward them to friends and family and make sure that they are tuning in as well. Because if you're Woken Free, your friends and family should be as well. Now on social media, you can holler at us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, Pinterest, LinkedIn at Woken Free. We love to see you there and to see uh, and chat with you on social. And then, of course, if you have 90 seconds, We'd love to do lots of things, but specifically, we'd love to have you review the show. So again, WokenFree.com, Listen tab, wherever you can review the show at, we'd love to hear your thoughts and how the show is feeding into you. Scene end, Khalil. How about we then jump right into the episode and not let them wait? Love it. Question number one out the gate, what happens when a person dies? This question is definitely without an answer, actually. (laughs) Nobody really could say for sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that our body turns to dust, but I'm not sold on anything else. I'm not buying it. Okay. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) So Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, every man must do two things alone. He must do his own believing and his own dying. So essentially how I interpret that phrase and all of our links and resources will be linked in the episode at wokenfree.com. So make sure you check that out. I would say I agree with you in that there is a lot of uncertainty and unknowns when it comes to the process of death. But what we do know is it is an actual change in circumstance where the people that you knew, the people that loved you, the people that you associate with no longer can interact with you in this human form because your body is no longer functioning. So it's a change in circumstance. It's a loss uh, for those that you leave behind. And when it comes to you, yes, I agree. It's a question mark. Question two, does death equal peace? Not necessarily. So according to the University of Iowa Steed Family Children's Hospital, Again, they they break it down really very interestingly, which is why I wanted to share it. They say, you know, death happens when the body stops working, the heart stops beating, the brain doesn't get or send any messages to the body, sight, hearing, taste, touch, smell don't work anymore. 
And then, you know, when someone is dead, their thoughts doesn't have, their body doesn't have any thoughts or feelings anymore. So when a person dies, their bodies can't move or play anymore. And after death, the body will never be able to do these things again. So does that to that kind of breakdown in the processing sound like peace? Not to me. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like a finality of this form of, of existence. But I think the uh, to argue that death equals ultimate peace is, I think, a romantic notion. I think it's something that we see in media, but it is not scientifically proven. And theoretically, is it possible? Sure. But it, it, that's going to be person-specific, belief-specific. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think if there is a spirit, your spirit would have to travel to another galaxy, mm. which would be a long taxing journey. Mm-hmm. And I also think it'd be difficult if it has to transverse dimensions. That just seems like a crazy kind of experience. Interesting. Doesn't seem peaceful to me. But all this is just conjecture anyway. And when you say transverse dimensions, break that out for folks. What does that mean? Just to go from the third dimension to the fourth dimension. Gotcha. Okay. I don't know if that. I don't know how that looks what like. What that looks like. I okay. can't. Yeah. I, okay. There's no way. I can't even imagine it. Most people can't. No. That you can't fathom more than three me. dimensions, right? <laughs> so that's okay. hard in of itself. Question number three: How is de- death dealt with in the media? The media treats it as a tragedy as long as the death is not in regards to so-called enemies of the nation. Mm. An example is a hostile foreign groups. Having their family destroyed by the home nation is considered a victory of peace by the mainstream media. But mm. if it was soldiers on this home nation side, then they would declare it a tragic loss. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And I would, to add to that, I would say it's definitely something because you hear about death pretty much every day. It is something that's like very obvious and not something that you can hide from because the news definitely likes to talk about people dying. But yeah. to your point, it's, it depends on which people, right? Because yeah. do we, do we hear about the death in, you know, third world countries around the world? No, we don't hear about everyone dying. We don't hear about major tragedies of people uh, across the world. And also to your point, yeah, if, if the person is deemed, you know, an enemy of the, of the state or of the nation, then their death is a victory, which is interesting yeah, it's considered that, that death will, could be interpreted positively and negatively, depending upon who's the, per- the subject of the person uh, who's dying. So yeah, that's interesting. And then I would just add in when it comes to film and television, Depending upon what the scene and what the, the, the writers want, it can, it doesn't have to be a tragedy. It could be something more romanticized. It could be something more tragic. It could be a part of an epic love story. So their death can be viewed in different ways. It seems like that it's definitely not one sided at all. That's true. Question four. Why are people fascinated with death? Human beings like to fixate on anything that they can't categorize or understand. And since the beginning of time, right, we have been incapable of understanding what happens at the end of our timeline here on Earth. So it's something that I think people, until we can define it, until we can map it out, until we can, you know, create some type of uh, uh, paid functionality (laughs) in association with this, that like, we don't, we're going to constantly talk about it. We're going to constantly think about it. And it's, and it's because it's scary, right? Because you just don't know, no, you don't know how long you're here for. And so do you, do you know that your life is going to end up as you want it to before you're no longer here? Right. It's, yeah. it's a lot of, it's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of scary, scary thoughts that, that are associated here. 
Yeah. And I think also it's something, it's one of the few things actually that it's a certainty, but Mm. we don't know much about it though. Mm -hmm. It's one of the few things like that. And Mm -hmm. people really do want to know what's going to happen after death because it's going to happen to everybody. There's no, like it may not, you might have a different outcome. No, everybody has that same ending. Mm -hmm. So what people do is they fantasize about it and they try to figure out what does it mean for them and when their time comes, is there like greater meaning for the, from the death? So Absolutely. I think people just have these fascinations with it because it's a certainty and we don't know much about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Question five, do you fear dying? No, I've come to terms with it as a child. Mm-hmm. And that's because I know that it might be unknown, but it's just part of the circle of life. Things live, things die. That's mm-hmm. what it is. So. I don't think it's hard to fear it when I know it's happening. something that's just going to happen. It's <laughs> yeah. not, it's not like, Oh, I'm a surprise and you know, I'm terrified. Yeah. There's Michael Myers standing behind me. It's <gasps> nothing like that. So yeah. it's hard to, for me to fear death. Yeah, absolutely. Very nice. Nicely said Mufasa. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is the circle of life, son. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I agree with you here as well. It is not something that you can fear because you know, you know, it's going to be, there's eventually going to be the end scene and it's the end end scene <laughs> and it's inevitable. And you know, why fear something that you know is a certainty? However, the idea of now that I'm, you know, pregnant and we're having our, we're growing our, our family, uh, the idea of not being with our son at a certain point, uh, upsets me, uh, <laughs> you know, cause I, I don't, I don't like the, the idea of him ever hurting or, or wanting for anything really. Uh, so that, that to me is upsetting. Also for the few people in my life that I cherish and love, the idea of not being able to, spend time with them or to talk to them deeply upsets me. Uh, that doesn't scare me, but it upsets me. It's so I, I, yeah, I would say it's not something that I fear, but the idea of, you know, not being with loved ones, not being able to like call out and be like, Hey, Khalil, what are you doing? Or, you know, like that idea of that coming to an end that that's very upsetting. Yeah, that makes sense. Question six is death final. So this is interesting, right? So on the show, we've definitely had a medium, shout out to Tara Casilia for coming on and sharing her, her practices as a spiritual medium guide. And so I believe in the possibility of ghosts and the supernatural. So I believe death is the finality of human form. So in this life, you know, our skin and bones will eventually, yeah, degrade and turn into dust. But do I think that the, that's the end all of my soul or my timeline? No, I don't. And so I, I think that there's a possibility that this is one form of existence that leads to something else. I'm just not quite sure what that next leaping ground is. Okay. Yeah. For me, death is the final act of this existence. And for whatever the next existence is, it's the beginning. Mm. So it's a final and just the start of something new. I don't know if it's a spiritual thing, but mm. there's something else happens to our molecules. So huh. either way, <laughs> there's something that goes on. Yes, absolutely. I think the idea of, like, I, I always joke and say, like, my goal is to, like, come back as an elephant and stomp on cars. Uh, like, if that would be possible, that'd be amazing. Like, that's just living, like, goals, guys. <laughs> but, but wait, you wouldn't want to be, like, a planet? Like, be Mars or something? 
I really want to be an elephant, but like, oh I, wow! <laughs> so if you don't want to be something cool. You want to think. Smaller. Excuse you, the elephant. There's nothing cooler than the elephant. A planet is not cooler no. than an, anam- an animal no. that only exists. On you know what would be your favorite animal? The orca. I'd rather be a sun or a supernova. Um, I'd want to be something cool. I want to be an elephant, and I want to stomp on things and eat sugar cane. You wouldn't want to be a galaxy or something? <laughs> I mean, maybe. Or a black hole? Like, you could suck things in? That sounds very impending violent. impending doom? Very violent. <laughs> oh, all right. But, okay. Question seven. When did you first deal with death in your life? I went to a funeral before I was seven, and I didn't understand what was going on. Mm. But that was kind of my first experience. I was oh, just wow. energetic, and I wanted to run around the venue. I classy. didn't know what was happening. Nice. Very classy. Yeah. So I'm sure your mom enjoyed that. that. Yeah. She thought that was a very good thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then I also had flatulence. Oh, wonderful. Excellent. So you're <laughs> passing gas. Yeah. But only only when it was quiet, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was told. I don't remember oh, that part, though. Our is going to be the best of both of us. Oh, that's going to be phenomenal, phenomenal. That's the best part uh, of that. Oh, yes, that is the best part of that story. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was definitely my first experience. Totally different than what I'm about yeah. to drop. All right, cool. So when I was eight years old, my aunt Kat died, and she was like my favorite person at the time. I have other people now that uh, definitely uh, have ca- gone into the favorite category, but. However, I was really devastated because for me, and I've shared this on the show as well, you know, I, I struggle with, you know, my family background because I find that coming from a Caribbean culture, it has seemed a little bit rough and tough in the sense that people definitely don't hold back. And sometimes when they're speaking, whether they intend to hurt your feelings or not, they definitely lash out and they'll say things that can be very hurtful and, and cruel. But my aunt Kat was this like wonderful little woman who like, she was always so excited to see me. She always had the best iced lemon cookies and she just loved me and there was no judgment and she just wanted to know how my day was going. And I just loved her so much. I mean, I, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even, she was like sunlight to me. She was my favorite flower is a sunflower. She was like literally a walking, talking sunflower. Like she was everything. And when I found out she died when I was eight, I literally collapsed to the ground and I hyperventilated because okay. I am that dramatic. Yeah. And I was that dramatic at that age. And, uh, and it's because I didn't understand like what that meant really like why couldn't I talk to her again and and I think that you know my parents I think because they saw how upset I was I think either that or they didn't want to take me one of the two I don't know Uh, but I didn't get to go to her funeral so I didn't get to say goodbye to her and I think that that really put a poor uh thing like association with death for me because it just seemed like okay I don't get to talk to you anymore and then I didn't get to say goodbye to you and then but you, you know, thought the funeral, at least in your mind as a child, would allow you to say goodbye. I think so. In my mind, I felt like that being disconnected from her in that moment or that event was really unnecessary. And it was cruel because I loved her so much and I felt like I should have been able to say goodbye to her. But I was eight years old and maybe maybe it just wasn't appropriate. I, I don't know. I'd, you know. I'd have to ask my parents if they could remember. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what I would say is, you know... Uh, it's interesting because she is someone, her death is not something that like, oh, I was eight and that happened. And I've never, like, I, I think about my aunt Kat pretty much every day. I miss her. I've missed her every day since her death. And I'm 34 years old going on 35. And, uh, and I don't know if there'll ever be a day when I will not stop missing her. I loved her deeply. (laughs) And is it the first death in my, in my life? No. So my, my dad's mother died when I was six. That was the first time, first and only time as of right now. 
that I've been to Jamaica. And so, but because I didn't have a relationship with her, she saw me when I was a baby and there, I think she held me and like had fun with me, but I was an infant. I don't know what happened. Uh, you know, she died and I had to go to Jamaica to, you know, visit, uh, for that funeral. And that was the first time someone in my family died that like, that was, you know, relevant to me, I guess. But, okay. uh, but my aunt Kat's death has been the most profound experience with death. Yeah. Wow. Question eight. What is the best way to teach young people about death? So I would say, given my context with my aunt Kat, before then, I just had like fish and like plants. And I think that maybe if I had maybe had a dog or a cat and maybe one of those creatures had died, I would have been able to deal with death a little bit easier and not be like you know, Scarlett O'Hara from Gone with the Wind, like <laughs> not be so like, you know, like, Lord, why have you forsaken me kind of situation. Uh, so I think probably animals would be a really great way to ease children a into understanding empathy and to understand compassion, because when children have to take care of other creatures, I think it helps them learn the power of sensitivity and empathy. But then also when those creatures die, you know, to your point earlier, Mufasa, right? Circle of life, right? To live is to die. It's a beautiful experience. We cannot fear it. We cannot be upset about it. We must welcome it. Yeah, I agree. Animals make it easier to teach kids about this cycle of life because mm -hmm. nature in and of itself is cyclical. So mm. it's great to teach them through animals, especially since the animal's life is shorter than humans. So yeah. your child will definitely experience losing their pet. So... It's mm. definitely something to think about when you want to teach young people about death. I know. Yeah. So like JJ, he's older. He's an older dog. Uh, and it scares us, scares me because for our kid, he will have, he'll experience growing up with him, but then our dog will die in, yeah, in, in, in our son's life. And that's, that's going to be sad. That's going to be sad to see what that looks like, but we'll see, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Question number nine. Do you ever think about death? Yes, I do wonder what is existence after this one, because we truly do not know. The question's very perplexing, but I think of kind of examples of what could happen after mm -hmm. death. I like to ponder that. Okay, cool. So to keep it woken free, uh, and it, this is not something that I necessarily share with a lot of people or publicly, I think few people know this <laughs> about me, but as a kid... Uh, I was bullied and definitely struggled with like feeling wanted and feeling worthy and feeling like I even should uh, be alive. Uh, you know, I very much felt alone and ostracized for just being who I am in my authentic truth. And so as a kid, I would say that led to depressive, depressing thoughts and also not necessarily always wanting to be alive and not even understanding why I was alive. And so I'm grateful that I was able to move past that and like, build self-esteem and build self-worthiness and and be able to understand that like bad chapters is not a bad book <laughs> it's just a bad chapter or even a bad page right and you can turn the page and you can turn the chapter and you can go on and i've gone on to have a very beautiful and meaningful life as i create life right so you know i'm grateful that you know those thoughts or obsession around not wanting to necessarily be alive is not something that I took, you know, action on, uh, I would say that I was, uh, you know, a person who thought about death, but I would, I would say I was not brave enough <laughs> to ever, uh, act upon those, those thoughts that I had. But, uh, you know, I do want to put that out there in the world for other people who may not feel comfortable saying that they ever thought about not wanting to be alive, that 
hey, like you can be in that place and you can totally move forward and life gets better, right? Turn the page, turn the chapter. And since then, uh, I, I mean, I haven't thought about death in that way for, you know, decades, <laughs> like over a long, long time ago. And, and re- currently the only time I would say I think about death is if we're having a theoretical conversation about like what's next, but not like, not like how I used to, which is like, oh, I wonder what it'd be like to be dead and to finally have peace. Like I, those were the types of thoughts. You would think of death as peace. I used to think of it as peace because I felt like being alive was torture. Wow. Because it felt so yeah. alone. I felt so alone. I felt so, you know, like everyone and everything always wanted to show me how wrong I was for just being my nerdy, funny, dynamic self. But it just wasn't, I wasn't with people that could appreciate me. And, and I just didn't, I think children struggle with perspective. And I really struggled with perspective as a kid. All right. Wow. Mm-hmm. Question 10. What's your favorite death scene from a movie? Oh, this is fantastic. And if you know me, you know what I'm about to say, which is I'm huge into romance films and television scenes. And I just, I love to, like, if you follow me on social media, personally, uh, you'll see I constantly talk about love. Uh, <laughs> so to answer this question, it would obviously come down to Titanic, Jack and Rose scene. It, what his death was definitely unavoidable. They could have gotten two pieces of wood or they could have both fit on there. It was madness. Yeah, there was enough room. But, you know, it is what it is. That's how the direction of that scene went. (laughs) But that scene to me is probably one of the most powerful death scenes I've ever seen because, you know, she was supposed to marry this other guy. He was going to be bad news, right? She was going to have this horrible life. And then she just lucky enough, really (laughs) blessed and lucky enough to meet this new guy. Jack and he and her had these, they didn't have extensive conversations where she only knew him on the boat, but he made her come alive in a way that she had never been uh, before in her life or with her current partner. And, you know, he, they talked about things that they would do. And in that death scene, they, t- she essentially gives a tribute to like, you know, I will never, for- I'll never forget Jack. I'll, I'm going to go and do everything that we talked about. And, you know, and then she changed her, her when, when she had to get identified from surviving the incident, you know, she became Rose Dawson and she took Jack's last name as if they were married, as if they did have a, la- a life together. And so that scene kills me pretty much every time I watch it. Like, love it. How about you? You're listening to Woke and Free. 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 A podcast about being real and honest. Mine is not a romantic death scene. Oh, gosh. And actually, mine is not a... I don't think of it as a death scene at all, really. Okay. But in the movie Transcendence, the person goes from human form into, like, a digital form. Of course you would choose that. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's... You're so heartless, Glenn. No, but that's not heartless. I'm thinking about the actual future and what what does it mean to truly be dead? I don't know. Not Romeo and Juliet, no love or nothing. But this one is actually a technical question. It actually has basis on something more than even humanity. What is humanity itself? What does that mean? The scene from Matrix where um, Trinity dies and then he and then Neo brings her back because he puts his hand and pumps her heart and takes the bullet uh, out. I mean, that's kind of romantic is the problem. Ah, so that's... It's not technical enough yeah, in so nature. Yeah, so that totally sucks, yeah. No, it doesn't suck because of that. <laughs> but I want to have something that can reach beyond people's feelings and emotions and go to something concrete that's like stone, that something you can really feel and actually touch and taste 
something you can use your senses to have a good grasp on. Okay, robot and man. This like me revealing that information. It's not a spoiler for the movie. You can still see it because there's still lots of other things in it. Oh yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah, <laughs> you've never seen it, but just the whole the mm-hmm. whole theme behind it is very interesting. Fascinating. The transcending. Okay. Question eleven: Can you predict when someone dies? I think currently you can't, mm-hmm. but if we had enough data, it would be possible. I think I don't mm-hmm. believe in fate, but information in and of itself is very powerful. It's mm-hmm. a good predictor of the future when you think about it. Mm-hmm. It's like we predict that our internet's going to work tomorrow, yeah, and it should, right? And that's technology. Yep, <laughs> that's what it does for you. It makes the it makes the future more predictable than gotcha. that. Yep. Same thing with time telling. That's technology too. Makes things predictable. The sun rising up. See? How lovely. So on this website, (laughs) farlawfirm.com, they mentioned the following. So there's a team of six Stanford University scientists that use AI, artificial intelligence, to predict when people will die in order to improve access to end-of-life care or specialized care for patients with particularly serious illnesses. So... The team uses an AI model to devise an algorithm to determine the probability that someone will die within 12 months, taking into account the patient's medical history, millions of other patient records, and using the tool, the Stanford team of scientists received a daily report of newly admitted Stanford hospital patients with a 90% or higher probability of dying in 3 to 12 months. And according to Stanford Medicine, Dr. Stephanie Harmon, the clinical chief of palliative care at Stanford Healthcare, assesses the report and records and then there advises patients on end of life care. And so the, the website article goes on to say, Dr. Harmon says, doctors are terrible at predicting pro- prognosis. Uh, if that information is there from AI, hopefully that raises the likelihood that the care this patient receives from their healthcare team matches what they prior, what they have prioritized and to have care that aligns with what matters most to patients and families. That's the ultimate goal. So Harmon also believes that the tool helps doctors spend more time with patients and less on record reviews. And more importantly, it leads to better endings. So, According to this, if you take that on the word, uh, then it might be possible to know within a year of when you're going to pass. But, you know, I, I don't know. A, I don't know if that is medically accepted everywhere. I don't know also what improvements have happened since that. But that I just thought that that was just kind of an interesting tidbit of information. So predictability is possible. Uh, now that's... But you need to be able to predict it decades in advance. I know. So now that, that, <laughs> that would, I would say, like, anything. if that AI could then be, I mean, I don't know if machine learning is involved here or what, I don't know what would have yeah, to be involved. That's, they were just discussing but, that when you're feeding it all that information. Yeah. yeah so essentially, learning. if you can extrapolate that, right, and you take that one year to 10 years to 10 years to, you know, from when you're born, is it possible to know when you'll die? Remains to be seen. But it seems like I definitely think that would be the direction of our scientific uh, endeavors in the future. Yeah. Question 12, why do people die? Uh, I, I, You know, ultimately, our bodies and our organs are not designed to live forever, right? So it does seem like a natural progression of life. Uh, however, it <laughs> it still seems so, like, painful and upsetting, like, to know that, like, oh, man, like, you know, I love this person so much and they're not going to be here forever. But it's just, I, we're just physically not designed to live forever. Well, I'd like to say that people have to at least realize this that you yourself when you were born are not the same you every True. cell in your body True. is a complete new cell every not one six of months you. i think we re oh, i can't, or I can't yeah. go into that detail but mm-hmm. either way your cells aren't the same from, mm-hmm. from years birth. ago yeah, yeah they're all different so 
People actually die because their cells stop regenerating properly. Mm. The cells, they make mistakes when copying, and that goes on to cause issues later. Yeah. So that, And then our cells start, they stop reproducing as much as well. Yep. So yep. combined with all that, that's why people die. That's why we got to be out I hear you. Question 13. Do you believe someone can die too young or before their time? Yes, I definitely believe that's true. Mm -hmm. I don't think everybody reaches their full potential before they die. I think sometimes things are left unfinished and it's a true tragedy, to be honest. Absolutely. I think that... And isn't there a phrase, the good die young? So Mm. I I mean, Mm. that phrase wasn't made for nothing. It could be completely wrong, but Mm. I actually happen to agree with it. Yeah. I mean, after losing, you know, living through, you know, again, we've only been on this earth for 34 years. Uh, Only. It's not that long. Uh, and we've lost people like Tupac, like Biggie, like Aaliyah, like, uh, like, uh, Selena, like DMX, like, uh, Kobe. Uh, I mean, we, and his daughter, right? Like we've lost so many celebrities and then also just people in our life. And it just seems, it seems unfair. It seems like, like to your point that there could have been more on their journey and in their path. And Paul Walker, right? Like it's just, or Heath, uh, Ledger, right? And it's just, painful so painful but you know a part of me says yes and no because i also do believe everything happens for a reason so if they were meant to live longer than i personally believe they would have so there's a reason for their death uh it might seem too young or too short or too fast for us but we don't know what's next right on the timeline of life so maybe it was on time because otherwise why would they have gone it's hard to say Mm -hmm. question 14 does death make people celebrate your life more? <laughs> when it comes to celebrities, I think yes. I think that, you know, like I love Selena. I love Tupac. Uh, but I do think that their notoriety like escalated more <laughs> in their death and that they became immortalized in a way that I don't know if it would have happened if they had lived till they were 80 years old. Right. So I think that when it comes to celebrities and artists, uh, for people who really, they touch, they were touched by their art form or what they stood for in this world. People are like Whitney Houston, right? Like I loved, I loved Whitney when she was alive, Whitney Houston, but when she died, a part of me also just feels even more like connected to her because I'm just like, Oh my gosh, like I'll never hear her again in that, you know, how she was. So it's, I think so. What do you think? Yeah, I think the death definitely makes people celebrate your life more because mm-hmm. when the funeral happens, people usually become more endeared during that time period too. Mm. Like they don't usually people don't go up on the funeral and remember all the bad things you do. They remember all those good times. Yeah. And then kind of yeah. afterwards, they usually talk about all the good times too. You know, yeah. they have they laugh about it and they get very emotional thinking about it. Oh yeah. It's Absolutely. a way of remembering the past too. That's kind of like how you can reach back. You think of those memories with that person. Mm-hmm. So you can either think about the good or the bad things the person did, but either way, you're thinking about them a lot. And I, I don't know. I think death makes uh, people more sentimental. Kind of wipes the the bad side, of, <laughs> yeah. the bad part of the slate clean. It, make, it makes, just, yeah. it, but it makes even the bad seem like it was good. So you you <laughs> might remember a bad time, but you kind of misremember it. Actually, gotcha. You yeah. don't remember how bad it was in the moment. Right now, you look back and you and laugh like, at oh. it. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Okay. Uh, question 15. How important are your funeral arrangements? I think it's important not to hold a traditional funeral for me, at mm-hmm. least. I don't like the idea of getting together just to mourn my past mm-hmm. passing. It would be better to celebrate the impact I left, not mm-hmm. to cry and just make everybody feel upset and yeah. generate this bad negative energy. 
Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. We definitely uh, stand on the same page here. For me, like recently, my mom, um, you know, my mom is one of six. And I, you know, unfortunately, one one of my mom's sisters passed, uh, my Aunt Barbara. And, you know, her funeral, like, destroyed me. (laughs) And it's literally just, just like, yeah, like getting to, and I I was able to only attend the funeral service, uh, you know, virtually. And it destroyed me (laughs) you saw how upset i was it was very upsetting and uh i couldn't imagine like for our son you know people coming together in a room or even virtually and just crying in his face and talking about you know how how they loved you or i or whatever like i just i wouldn't want that pain for someone i because i i wouldn't want him to have to bear through that that to me just seems really painful when people come up in your face and just cry and talk about how sad they are about like, it just doesn't seem helpful <laughs> to, to people when they've lost someone. So for me, I agree. I think I want to be cremated and I want to be put into a diamond and I hope that that's happens and it's fabulous. And, <laughs> and uh, when it comes to like your point about people coming together to talk about impact, I'm totally on board with the repass. I think that's what they call that when you just come together and eat food yeah. and talk about the good things. Like, cause a, anyone who knows me knows I love a good, a good meal guys. Like <laughs> so if we're going to have some oxtail, we're going to have some jerk chicken. We're going to have some good curry goat, some rice and peas, some nice cake. Now we're talking. Like, I think that this makes sense. And, and I feel like for our, for our son and hopefully any other future children that they come together, they have some good meals and they talk about all the funny times that I made them laugh. Right. And all the, all the silly, crazy things that I will say for the rest of my life, but not go in their face and cry about, you know, how they'll miss me. Like, nope, mm -mm. ain't nobody got time for that. So that's, that's too much. Yeah. Question 16. Can you interact with people who have already died? Yes, if you believe in ghosts and folks like mediums. Okay. (laughs) Episode 141 is where you can learn about our Woken Free Conversation with Spiritual Medium Guide, Teramis Casilia. So if you're into it, I'm totally into it. Uh, (laughs) Yes, yes and yes and yes. How about you? For me, I know that you can interact with people who have already died but only within the confines of your mind. So not through another person's mind. Literally, you can only think about interacting with them inside your head. Oh, you're saying fantasy. Yes. Oh. The same way you can fantasize about, you know, swimming with sharks. You can do that all in your mind. You are rude and out of control. No, but so you can (laughs) interact with them. It's the same thing. If it's happening inside your head, it's like it's happening in reality. You can absolutely have delirious thoughts. Yes, yes. yes, And it could be as real to you as touching uh, Orca, it doesn't matter. I'm going to really just pray for you. That's what but I'm, I'm going to do. Remember, we talk about it sometimes. Your reality is your reality. If you feel it's happening, it may be happening. Just don't tell other people it's happening. That's the key. People are entitled to share, share their thoughts. Well, you can, but you know, you may get, you may put you away for it too. <laughs> you got to be careful. Judgment, 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 please. Question 17. Does everyone leave a legacy before they die? No, not everyone does. It's possible not to leave behind anything depending on the life you live. Yeah. Just imagine that you're a child and you grow up on an uninhabited island. How do, what are you going to leave behind there? It is possible to leave behind nothing, just your skeleton, I guess. And I love that. That's your skeleton you gets went. eaten up and that's it. That's, you're, you're like, there is no legacy. That's incredible, Khalil. So that's one. I'm just giving an example how you uh, of how you cannot leave behind anything. That's incredible. So I yeah. think 
I agree with you that yes, you not everyone definitely leaves a legacy because not everyone lives a life where they're planning for a legacy. Some people are just in that survival mode. And so their biggest concern is, do I have enough food to feed my children or my loved ones or myself? So they're not necessarily in a good mental space to be able to say, hey, like, 40 years from now, what what will people think of my life and, and my timeline? So if you are fortunate enough to be able to continue to elevate and grow in your life and be able to, to, to create generational wealth and to be able to contribute to your community and to your different groups and the people that you can impact, then yes, then you can have a legacy. But if you don't make specific intentional choices like that <laughs> and create content or do something specifically designed for legacy building uh, behaviors, then no, you won't leave a legacy. But if you have children, that is a form of legacy in and of itself. It is. But again, you know, our society is also super judgmental, right? So if your legacy, if your kid is Michael Myers, is that... It's a legacy, yeah. It's I like mean, the... That's unfortunate. It's like the Jason Voorhees, <laughs> his mom left a mega- legacy. She made him. She gave him a whole series. Oh, okay, okay, See? okay. So she did a legacy. So we're dipping right back into fictional land. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which it could be the same. That's if it's, where we're going. It's what you believe. I mean, I don't know. That's where we're at, guys. <laughs> yeah. Question 18. Is it important to be an or- organ donor? If so, why? Yes. I believe just like our life, uh, our death can have impact. And it should be an opportunity to look at, to for you to look at your death as an ability for you to contribute and to benefit others in this world. Uh, I believe we're both organ donors. And so it's, you know, when we pass, we, there's no longer any need for our eyes, our liver, our, our lungs, you know, our kidneys. But there are some people who are waiting on these donor lists for years and years. They're getting dialysis. They're having all these like really challenging medical experiences that are waiting for someone, you know, if they have a healthy organ to be able to give to them. So I think personally, I think I think it should be mandated personally. <laughs> like I think your death should be your final opportunity to contribute to the world. So yes, give up them organs and give it to somebody who needs it now. Yeah, it's definitely a good idea to donate your organs yeah. because whatever happens, you for sure don't need your you don't organs need in the afterlife. Yeah. And you know what I would love? I would love to have my brain transplanted into somebody else so of they can use you it. Because then it gives me a second breath of life. Exactly. And that would be a very I'll funny existence. I'll pray for that next person. <laughs> <laughs> Khalil 2.0. So yeah, that would be really cool for them to take parts for me and I'm like living within somebody else now. So you're you going to live with them? So then what if I'm living in someone else so you're going to try to still find me or no? Like I, peace out. I mean, that's up to the person. They have all the control. Oh. I'm like a trapped person inside their head. Nice. It's sounds my like, brain, but it's it their like control. An excellent movie idea. Yeah, <laughs> I just, but I love that. I'm, I'm hoping okay. that they can do that for me. Phenomenal for somebody else though, just Phenomenal. for their good, because I want them to be able to have a nice life. Yeah, okay. just use my old parts and to really pass on that woken free nature. Yeah, <laughs> use my old parts. Hey, they go all, real all, good. all old parts. What? <laughs> all of your parts? Yeah, every part. Yeah, oh, okay. it's all up for grabs. That's the whole point. I'm, I'm not using it. Hey, so hey, make hey. use. It doesn't make sense to waste it. Just use it. Take it as it is. Yes. Yeah. Don't abuse it though. Uh, you're so freaky. You're so I had to put freaky. that out there because I know you're some people so would be. Freaky. Yeah. Don't abuse it. Okay. Okay. Uh, question nineteen: Is there an ideal way to die? Yeah, there definitely is. The mm. best way to put it is, it's preferable not to die in pain because mm. there's some really painful way to die. I'm not going to go through any of those. Oh though. God, no. Because that no. you could think of them. You could just watch movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <We do> a, <laughs> they do a good enough job of giving us those ways 
yeah, the Final Destination die. is a really good series to Ouch. explore uh, for that conversation. hundred uh, percent. Oh, yeah. Personally, I think uh, my answer would be to be old, to have gone and lived and done a lot of experiences, and to you know, for me, I, I always I don't say I fantasize, but I think oh. uh, that for me, like I always have appreciated scenes, at least in film or content, where you have an opportunity to say goodbye, right? And so for me, like being able to say goodbye to my children, being able to say goodbye to you, being able to say goodbye to people that I really love and cherish, uh, I think, yes, those are hard conversations to have, but they're important conversations to have. And it's, uh, you know, I don't ever, I wouldn't want to pass out of this form without telling my loved ones just like how much they meant to me and just like, thank you for loving me and thank you for letting me love you and... You know, I'll see you on the on the other side. You know. Question twenty: Can you prepare for death? Yes, live on your terms uh, to the fullest, and make sure you take the time, the money, and energy to prepare for uh, to making sure your estate is handled. What I mean by that is, if you're having a trust or a will, speaking with you know proper legal representation to be able to do this, so that you don't die and leave your loved ones not knowing how you wanted things to be handled when it came to your finances or your estate. Yeah, that's pretty much what I would say. Mm -hmm. You can prepare financially, and I think even emotionally for Mm. death. Just make sure you understand that it will happen someday, and there will be people left behind that, you know, will be affected by it. So just make sure everything is in place and they don't have to go and scramble to get things together. Make sure that, yeah, there's at least some sort of plan in place. If it's a will, Mm. if it's a trust, whatever Mm -hmm. it is, do something. Absolutely. And last question, question 21. What would you say to a loved one who's currently facing death? I would tell them there's nothing to fear. Mm. What comes next is meant to be, and you have accomplished what you needed to do here. I will not forget you, and you will be united with the source. And that's supposed to be comforting, eh? To be united with the source, that's the that's the most comforting part because then you're like, well, I become all and all is one. One so is all. So taking the red pill, not the blue one. <laughs> In this case, we take a green pill. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We do this. it different. We do it different in here. That's what I'm saying. Oh, uh, wonderful. See? So, so I know how to comfort people. I'm really good at that. Yeah. Are we telling tales? Oh, I'm just thinking out loud here. Oh, okay. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> so uh, recently, like I mentioned, my mother's sister passed and unfortunately I didn't necessarily have the opportunity to have that goodbye conversation like I mentioned here, which I am sorry about. And, uh, you know, wherever she is in the realm of this universe, I hope that she is at peace uh, because she she suffered for a very long time medically. And, uh, you know, I'm, I am glad that she's no longer in physical pain. Uh, I would say if I had to speak to a loved one facing death, I would first want to let them know that, uh, you know, to your point, yeah, that like, it's okay, right? It's okay to, it's okay to release. It's okay to see what comes next. Uh, and I would want to express, you know, probably how much they matter to me and what I appreciated from them and, and, you know, why, why loving them mattered and why they mattered and that, uh, you know, that I will see you again, right? I'll see you on the other side. And that, uh, you know, just thank you. I think as much, I I really want to live and teach our son the power of gratitude and just, you know, every time you have a loved one, you have to be grateful guys, right? There's not a lot of people in this world who really love you. And there's not a lot of really people in this world who really will do for you and do and want well for you. So whenever you are, uh, have the opportunity to have someone really be there for you and really love you and really care for you, you need to be grateful. And so if you have the opportunity to talk to that person before they pass, 
tell them that. <laughs> tell them what what they what loving them and what you how you love them, what it mattered, and what you're grateful for, and you know, and hopefully try not to cry too much because that's upsetting <laughs> to people. Yeah. That's true. Ugh. This was a hard episode, but a good one. We are at the time again. It's coming to the end of our 194th episode of Woken Free. This is quite the episode doing another Woken Free story time called 21 Questions About Death. Will we leave you hanging for what our next episode will be about? Drum roll, please. On our next episode, we'll be discussing top 10 life lessons from childhood shows. Make sure you follow us on social media to follow along the conversation. And make sure you tune in next week for Woken Free Wednesday to join the conversation at WokenFree.com. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, make sure you submit a topic for an upcoming episode or share how you feel on our Contact Us page at WokenFree.com. So that's W-O-K-E-N-F-R-E-E.com. Now, when it comes to social media, you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, Pinterest, LinkedIn at Woken Free. And for sponsorships or collaborations, Hit us up on our, you know what I'm about to say, contact us page at WokenFree.com. If you didn't already subscribe, please do share the episode and make sure you come back to join the conversation every Wednesday for Woken Free Wednesdays. Remember, Woken Free is more than a podcast. It is a way of life. Until next time.